Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Gerard Long, who is an author, speaker, and executive director of Awakening to God Ministries. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And thank you for joining another episode of the Guys Like Us podcast. If this is your first time listening, this is your first episode. Uh, if you're a longtime listener, thanks for your continued support. I appreciate each and every one of you for continuing to seek out the faiths of others in effort to develop your faith. Today's conversation is with Gerard Long, who is an author, speaker, and executive director of Awakening to God Ministries. He's joining us from sunny California, I think I always say sunny California. There is there is days when it does rain, but uh, we're, we're living in the high life right now. Uh, and as was Gerard, uh, he comes originally from England and was a young, talented track and field athlete, and then later became an HSBC executive in the finance and banking industry. Um, he was living a life of success. Uh, things were going very well, excelling in his personal and professional life. Uh, married to his wife, Jeannie, um, he was leading Alpha USA, and things were going well until, of course, it took a turn. He shares the loss of his first son uh, to suicide, and then years later, the loss of his daughter, uh, who drowned. In these times, he says, the presence of God was unbelievable. Gerard found hope in the midst of this immense suffering. He shares a bit more about Alpha uh, which Sneak Peek is a series of interactive sessions that freely explores the basics of the Christian faith. It's truly a great thing that they are doing, and I, I encourage you to check it out. Finally, we break into Awakening to God Ministries and the work they are doing, freeing the captives and bringing light in the darkness. The World Health Organization announced last year that the biggest global illness is depression, and the biggest cause of death under 35 is suicide. So what do we do about this? Well, the way forward is through the cross. The means is, is through hope. Uh, hear a bit more about Awakening to God's various ministries and all the work that Gerard is doing. Without further ado, I'm going to turn it on over to the conversation with Gerard Long. Thanks so much for joining us today, Gerard. Tyler, thank you. It's actually my privilege and honor. It's great, great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I would love to hop right in. Uh, and there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of questions, a lot of uh, different ideas I want to bounce off and, and, and get into different areas. But I think first and, and only only most fitting uh, to give a bit more of an understanding of who you are. I'd love to know um, a bit more about your early childhood life uh, and also your your faith story. Kind of how your faith has uh, coming to faith and how your faith has progressed along the way. Mm, sure. Well, as you can hear, tell from my accent, originally from the UK and uh, grew up in a strong Christian family. My, my ancestors on both sides go back to the Huguenots, actually, if you know any of the history of the, the, of the Christians in Europe, and uh, came to faith as a young boy. I don't, I don't remember exactly the age, but mm. I think I was probably about four or five years old. I rem remember it very clearly, though. I asking Jesus to forgive my sins, mm. come into my heart, and um, uh, to, to be my good shepherd. 
And so I went, you know, with a good Christian. We, we, we grew up on the Word. My dad used to start the day with a, with a scripture around the breakfast table, went to church, went to youth groups, all of those good things. Mm. But uh, looking back, you know, I, I, I received Jesus as my saviour. But if you take the analogy of the house, you know, I'd, I'd ask Jesus into the front door. But there were many rooms in my, in my house, many, many mm. areas of my life where I wanted to have the steering wheel, use, using another analogy. <laughs> I, wanted to be, I, I, I wanted to be in charge. So, mm. you know, um, money, future success, pleasure, all of those things. I wanted to do my own thing. And really, I got to a place in my mid-teens, later teens, and I said we'd have religious education lessons, and I used to be talking about Jesus. I had no problem believing. It wasn't that an issue. The issue for me was whether he was going to be Lord of my life or not. Mm. I, I knew that I was being, my friends used to look at me, and I, I knew I was being a hypocrite. So I sort of said, okay, Lord, I, I know that you're real, but I just really can't find myself to give myself fully to you, and I, I'm a sort of 100% guy. So I sort of went off and said, using the analogy of the car now, you know, you sit in the back seat, Jesus, if you will, if you will, and I don't want you out of my life, but I want to do my own thing. So I went headlong into track and field. I was a, a middle distance, 800 meter runner. Went to the top uh, college for sport in, in the country and got to a reasonable level. Won that won the, won the um, uh, UK, what well, the English and Welsh university championships. Ended up mm. captaining the team with. Some, some Olympic athletes, including a chap called Sebastian Coe, who's a double Olympic champion. So got to a, a pretty good level there. But, you know, I, I, uh, I, I knew in, in the back of my mind, I knew that God, there was a calling on my life. And my last year at college, 22 years old, through a number of circumstances, I, I was sitting at my desk away from college, um, no one else around, and God spoke to me. And it was from a, from a letter, actually, my brother wrote to me a day before, and telling me, Gerard, God's got a plan for your life made out of perfect love. Mm. And I'm sitting at my desk, and uh, I felt the Lord really speak to my heart and basically say, Gerard, if you go my way, you, you may not get all the things that you're chasing after on the outside. You know, I wanted to get to the Olympics, be a champion runner, make a lot of money out of sport, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, but he said to me, but if you go my way, I'll give you fullness of life on the inside. And it was like a light came on inside. I, I, I saw it so clearly that, hey, you can achieve everything that the world is telling you is important. But if inside you're miserable, you've got nothing. It means nothing. And, uh, but the opposite also applies. And I realized that God can get, give you great joy and love. And these. So anyway, when I saw that, I, I surrendered. It was like from then on, all the rooms in my life, I said, okay, <laughs> you now can take, I want you to take your rightful place in my life to be Lord of my life. And um, and it, it was it was an I had an encounter with God. That's all I can describe it like. It was an encounter with God. There was no one else around. I started to cry like a baby. I mean, it was amazing. I was 22 years old. It was actually Valentine's Day, interestingly, and um, it was like this liquid love was being poured into my heart. And the act, the, the, what the result of that, as I fell head over heels in love with Jesus Christ. And what, what I mean by that is that. From, from then on, from that moment on, all I wanted to do was to, to please him, to love him, to know him more. And I wanted other people to know him. So I was desperate to tell all my friends now about this person that, that was everything to me. Because I was, used to be one of the lads on campus, you know, drinking around and doing what young, young guys do. And um, now I'm saying no, I'm following Jesus. So it was a bit of a shock to some of them. So I, I desperate to tell people, couldn't put the Bible down. It was like it became red hot to me. And the fourth thing that happened was I, I, I stopped swearing overnight. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was 1980. And that, so that was, my, that was my early 
you know, my formative years and mm. has been quite, quite a journey since then. So then we went to my my uh, girlfriend who came to the Lord as well. She was a part of, of me coming to, to look up and to the down. Jeannie, she was a professional ballerina. She came to the Lord as well. We got married, ended up going to London. We gave everything away. All my business, I had a, had a business, gave everything away because we wanted to start just totally dependent on God. So we went to London. I was I was actually on a scholarship with an international bank, um, and we felt God saying, "Go to London." And so our heart was to was to see God's kingdom come big time, uh, both in the workplace and where we were living in in, in central London, North London. So we 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 helped form a very very vibrant house church there in North London. Saw incredible things happening. People getting wonderfully saved, gang members, prostitutes, you name it, that was happening. Mm. At the same time, God was moving in the workplace, and I, I saw God move amazing there. But also, he, he blessed me, was that we went into the city with Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will follow. And so I was now thrown into the, and I guess this will be relevant for some of your listeners, you know, I was right in the, in the center of the corporate world, which is all about, you know, finding a way to get up, get mm. on. You know, who do you need to get around? Who do you need to speak to? It was all of that sort of stuff. And I felt the Lord say, you don't, you don't need to do that. Just live for me and, and live for my, for my glory and to please me and do, do, do my will. Not, not that it's wrong necessarily to try and get up in, in well. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's the focus. The, the, mm. the primary goal is to please God and see his kingdom come. And we started prayer meetings and all sorts of things. And God promoted me. I got to a really high level. In the bank, ended up ended up um, leading the Y2K thing for the, for the HSBC, which is one of the biggest banks in the world. Went to 10 Downing Street, shared a platform with Tony Blair, was on TV, front page of newspapers around the world, including actually USA Today. I was still in London at the time. And so God did it. God did all mm. of that. It was all him. And um, and then we came then we came to the States. At the end of 2001, we didn't, hadn't, hadn't planned it. We weren't expecting it. But God clearly, clearly led us to the States. They asked me to do it, a, 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 um, to launch a global product in New York. So I went to, to New York, lived in Rye, and worked there for two years. So I went over to Chicago. And that brought us to 2004 when I said to Jeannie, Jeannie, does it get any better than this? Um, I basically was, was in love with Jesus, had a great walk with God, a beautiful wife who we, we had a great marriage, three incredible children all multi-talented athletes, um, popular, good-looking, knew the Lord, uh, living in this incredible house, seeing people come to know the Lord in our in our house. We were doing running Alpha. We've been running Alpha since 1995. And, uh, you know, does it get any better? This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, um, it, like the wheels came off, and it was like a massive hurricane hit, hit our life. So... That was my early, that was sort of the first 24 years. Well, that's no, it's more than that. It was the first 17 years I was, Jesus was my saviour, not my Lord. Then he was my, my Lord as well for 24 years. And that brought us up to a, a significant change that was going to happen in our life. There's a, there's a, a obviously a lot of, a lot of interesting background and in, uh, going back to your formative years, but then also through into your 20s. And as you yep. mentioned, into the corporate world, and there's a few things I want to touch on. To, I want to touch on there, um, and okay. this will. So, so one of them is uh, you, you mentioned that for the first 
for the first 17 years, uh, he was your savior, but not your Lord. And then later on it was, he was your savior and your Lord. What, what is the, what is the distinction between those two? And, and really it sounds like this, this idea of like surrendering and like letting his will be done in your life is something that, you know, that you had mentioned. Um, but then going about that by seeking his kingdom rather than seeking, uh, seeking a, a new position or a new status or a new promotion um, as the intention, but rather the purpose was on seeking the kingdom and, and, and seeking his will. I want to kind of know of like, you know, that, that is that, is that the distinction that you see between those two there? And really what helped you um, kind of start to really hone in on those, the intrinsic things, like the, the things that are good for your soul uh, while still, pl- still being in the game and still being relevant in, in you know, these, in the world and still and still being able to maintain and and, and stay true to yourself Is yes that, yeah well, yeah that's a, that's a great point so um when I, what, the first 17 years i was going through the motions of being a christian I, and I, I generally believe i was a christian but i i was really powerless so i, w- I would be taken over by sin you know uh, drinking uh, sleeping around doing things that, that young lads do uh, and I was seeking what I wanted to do. It certainly wasn't what God really wanted me to do. It was I, so I'd go to church every now and again, and and um, but then I I feel I feel bad because I knew I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. What happened when when God touched me? And I and I think the distinctive thing there is that it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Mm. Um, but if you look at the early church, those first disciples, see, they'd walked with Jesus for three three years or so, but they were still really timid. They were still powerless. And they were hiding in that upper room and really frightened of what was going to happen. And then the Holy Spirit came and he empowered. That's what it says in Acts 1 verse 8. He will empower you to be my witnesses. And so that's what happened. That's what happened to me in that room on the 14th of, of February 1980 in that surrender. And that's where there's, you know, God, it's just, so there is a place where we say, I, I want to surrender everything. I'm not holding anything back anymore. I, I surrender every area. Maybe you need to say it. I surrender my career. I surrender my relationships. I surrender my pleasure, my future, everything. Mm. I, 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 all I want is your will. And that's how Jesus did, wasn't it? He, he said, oh, my, my food is to do God's will. I'm only here to do God's will. And that's full surrender. It's saying, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Even to the point of laying my life down, I will do it. Mm. And that's what those early church, Christians did. And of course, um, then the Holy Spirit fills you. <laughs> he fills you with power. He will fill you. He will come and fill you with power to do what? To be my witnesses. And so that's a distinction between living as a Christian from the head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. He he's your yeah. You're saved. Yeah. I, I, you know. You're, you're. I wouldn't doubt that. But God wants us to live from the heart as well. You know, mm. where you're passionate. It was like light and day. The difference between how I was before and how I was afterwards was like light and day. Now, all that I wanted to do is to please God. So what's the fruit of that? Well, one of the things is if you if you really love God, really love Jesus, you want to spend time with him. So I, I would spend time with God, get up early before work to spend time with God. I loved his word. I'd memorize scripture. You know, I want to get, I, when, you, when you love someone, you want to draw near to them. And so I would, I, you know, that's what, how I live, was to draw near to God. I would feed on his word, I still do, feed on his word through the day. Um, and, and so there was a passion. I was living life 
from my heart, I was passionate for God, passionate to do his will. If I got promoted in the bank, great. If not, didn't matter because my heart was already mm. full. There's, there's gaps for, you, you know, if you're satisfied. So what are you going to do? Are you going to seek after God and say, Lord, I want more of you? Or are you going to say, oh, I think I can get it by getting up in, in my career um, or by marrying a beautiful, this beautiful woman or, or getting loads of money or being very famous? Now, none of those things on their own are, are wrong, except if they come before God, then they become an idol. Yeah. So when you're totally surrendered to God, it means you, I, I like to use the analogy of holding your hands before yourself and you're totally open. Your hands are totally open. There's nothing on. You're on a frictionless surface, and you'll say, "Whatever, whatever." So I could say the Genia was a beautiful, beautiful young lady, professional ballerina. Mm. We had a great love relationship, but I literally could say, "Lord, if you want us to be together, then then great. If not, great." I was I was wow. at the the top of my career in running, if you like. I was you know I was getting there. Anyway, I was going to the, towards the Olympics in training. I could surrender that. that. I used to eat at Stephen Tree. It was a god to me. It was like an idol to me. When I was filled, I could literally say, okay, God, if that's to be the, my course, my road, then okay. If not, that's okay. Mm. And that and, and that idea uh, you were describing earlier about the, 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 the original disciples, it took them three years before they um, ended up becoming witnesses and I guess becoming true true disciples. I don't know if we could go that far to say that, um, but but really starting to to follow his plan. And I, as you mentioned, they were empowered um, by the Spirit. And and it was in, it's interesting seeing back because when when you look and and you know the the uh, at the start of of Jesus's ministry, you know these disciples pretty much le- they, they they did they left everything, and it seems like that was almost a surrender right there. But but you're but kind of from what I'm understanding, it sounds like it wasn't until they were empowered by the Spirit that they yeah. re, that they really that you know before it might have been a little bit of intellect you know intellect yeah. and spirit, but yeah. when you have when you have the combination, it's yes it, it, that that's when you that's when you're you know in that sweet spot. Yes, that's right. The Greek word for power there is dunamis, which is basically it's it's like dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> And um, uh, and uh, so so then that you see the transformation when they're from in the upper room to when they were out at Pentecost. I mean, it was dramatic. And that's you know Acts one verse eight sums it up. You will re- when he comes upon you, you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. Hmm. So there's the combination. Those are the two things yeah. that are really important, and it's one of the things we we need to highlight in the church. And I'm not talking about being wacky here. I'm just literally yeah. talking about the third person, the Godhead who lives in every every Christian has the Holy Spirit. But here's one of the things that Alpha's so good at teaching. Yeah. You know, it's a balance in, in the role of the Holy Spirit in the work of the Christian. You know, understanding how he comes to empower us. But it is to do with surrender. But it is also to do to understand how he works in our life. And uh, to, I mean, you think about it. Emmanuel, use that word at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, literally... When we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. It, we have God with us. And so we the full surrender is allowing God to do whatever he wants with these temples. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so so that that's, you know, that, that's the key to me. I mean, I saw it so very clearly. To come into all that God has got for us is that, that surrendering and understanding the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian. Mm. 
can you can you share a bit more about um, Alpha USA or just Alpha in general? I know that this has been something that you've been in, involved in for quite some time now. Uh, a series of sessions exploring the Christian faith. Um, can you just share a bit more about really what Alpha entails for people who may not be familiar? Um, yeah. And then also, kind of, I know that there's a lot, you know there's a, a lot of different pieces of obviously of the Christian faith, but uh, again, kind of to what you were saying, what are some of what are some of the maybe the top you know two or three um, that are really you know principles or tenets or doctrines that are really worth doubling down on and coming back to? Yeah, yeah. So th- th- let's just talk about Alpha. So um, you know when we when we come become a Christian. Holy Spirit fills us. That's Ephesians five eighteen. Be filled. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. D.L. Moody said, "I need to keep on being filled because I leak." So the Holy Spirit. What did it say in Acts one? It says, "You, you will empower you to do what to be my witnesses." What was the thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he left? End of Matthew was a great commission. You go, you go, and you will be my witnesses. You know? And so, and Jesus said, uh, "He said, if follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." So the the natural outcoming, the uh, 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 actual fruit of following Jesus is that you is to witness, is to witness, is literally to to share. You know, this is coming to the very core of why the church is here on earth, for the glory of God is to be able to bring more lost and broken people to the Father through Jesus, for eternity. Mm. You think about that's what that's yeah. what it's all. That's why we're still here. I mean, it breaks God's heart every day, the, the suffering on this world. And we'll get on to that later on, maybe. Mm. And why, why do we have another day? Because God wants, doesn't want anyone to perish and all to come to repentance. What's his hands and feet to do that? It's, it's Christians. It's the church. So, it, so if, you're, if we're following Jesus, um, we're, we're, the natural outcome is that we're going to be fishers of men, like Jesus mm. was. Uh, we're going to have a heart for the lost, people who are heading for the wrong place for eternity. And the, the purpose of the church, the core purpose of the church is to, to, to be able to uh, bring people into relationship through witness. God does, the Holy Spirit does the convicting, but by being friends of sinners and loving on people, we create the way for people to get saved for eternity. God doesn't want anyone to perish. And so that's why we're here. So if, if we don't have a heart for the lost, something's not quite right. I would suggest from what scripture says. So anyway, I had a desperate heart for the lost. And the church we had in London was a vibrant church. We would do we would do all sorts of things. We used to be a very inward-looking church. I, mm. I should say that. And then the Lord really spoke to us and, and really, really said, no, no, you, I, I've given you the Holy Spirit so that you can be my witness. And so we went out. From 1985, we would do all sorts of things, door to door. We would sing on Kentish Town High Street with guitars. We would do all sort, anything to reach people. It worked, it worked. We would, you know, have to try and reach out. Pretty pretty poor results to be honest and then in 1995 we discovered this thing called alpha uh, that god was clearly using and so we we started using it in our home Jeannie and i used to hold it in our home and we did it for five years three times a year in our in our home we used to do it in the workplace too but we saw incredible fruit typically about four, 45 to 50 percent of people make a first and recommitment to jesus that's mm. that's across the board we were seeing 66 percent of unsaved people coming to know jesus and this would be uh, drug addicts, alcoholics, prostitutes, mm. you name it, some real colorful characters, as well as, as, well as business people as well. It's a real <laughs> yep. mixture. <laughs> yep. this, is, this is in our home. Wow. And so uh, from then on, I, I, was, I just loved it. I should do it in the city, in the, in the finance, in the workplace. Uh, I've done it in, in a jail. I've done it 
you name it, anywhere, clubs, pubs, everywhere, and seen fruit from it in an incredible way. So that, that's, that's Alpha, and that became later on when we went through our period of, of real brokenness, I ended up being asked to lead Alpha USA, which, is, which was interesting because God had revealed to me eternity, which made my heart beat even more for the lost. Um, and so that, that, was the, that was the fundamental thing. So was that, is that okay, Tyler, in terms of understanding Alpha? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I should just say that what is it, how does it work? Basically, Alpha is reaching people like Jesus did. It comes out of relationship with people who are lost. One of the sad things today is that the church is, tends to segregate themselves yeah. in the world. That's never Jesus' model. Jesus sent them out two by two. They went out to reach people who were lost and broken, heading for the wrong place for eternity. That's how we should be. You know, the, Yes, the church is important. We get built up and encouraged. But that's not the, the purpose. It's so that we get built up and encouraged and glorify God by finishing the work he's given us to do, which is to reach the lost. So, so that's how it should work. And so, so build your friendships. And then because you're my friend and I invite you to come to this thing called Alpha, which is going to teach you about the, some of the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's a very, very friendly place. Because, you're, because you've asked me to come and I'm your friend, I want to come along. And so people come to Alpha. They have a meal. It's a, you know, have, a, have a whatever sort of meal you want to do appropriate for the audience. And uh, it's not religious in any sense. In fact, we say to people, don't you know, talk about football, talk about your pets, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever you want to talk about. That's fine. And then the second part of the of the of the time together is a talk or video, and that's very very simple. Um, just just going through the teachings of Jesus. Well, how did Jesus teach and what he taught? Then the third part is a discussion, and that's the really fun time because it's all question based. You know, some, I think it was a, a Wheaton graduate once added up all the questions that Jesus had been asked. It was something like, something like uh, uh, 278 or something. He only yeah. really answered three of them, but he asked something like 307 questions. <laughs> well, I haven't checked those numbers, by the yeah. way, so don't hold me to them. But, yeah. um, but the point being, you know, he was always asking questions. Who do people yeah. say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He yeah. always asking questions. And so Alpha's question-based. You know, how does it make you feel? that Jesus literally was your substitute on the cross. How does that make you feel? And then we would have a discussion. And people are given free permission to disagree. Uh, they're given permission to put their own thoughts in. And we listen. It's one of the things of love is that you listen to people. You respect them. You may not agree. Often you don't agree what they're saying. Yeah. But you listen. And you know what? Over, over, it's normally it's no six, eight, ten, ten weeks, whatever. Over that period... The Holy Spirit does what only the Holy Spirit can do, which is to convict people of their sin and, and bring them into salvation. And that's why it's so powerful. Mm. Awesome. Uh, there's one thing you mentioned, uh, the, the questioning. And I think I, for me, when I was younger, I, I always asked why. And yeah. my, uh, my, my parents used to put a limit on me for how many questions I could ask because <laughs> I, so, I, I was so curious. Um, yeah. but I, but I think it's great. And it is, and as you mentioned, it was interesting because Jesus asked a lot of questions and Jesus would often repeat or answer a question with a question, yeah. um, which is, I don't know how, how, how good that would be in proper and, you know, today's etiquette, but uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a good thing to think about. And, and really the concept of that is continuing to dig. And as you mentioned, and, uh, a lot of the questions were, you know, who, who, who do you say I am? Who did, who do they say I am? So really getting to the core of, 
I think of identity and, and purpose. I think are yes. a few a few yes. a few core things. Yeah, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. I've written a book called Awakening to God. You can get it on online um, or through our through our website. But mm. it's it's all about this whole whole mission, the great the great commission. The first part of it is God's love and God's heart, because if we haven't got a heart for the lost, then our efforts for evangelism come from the head very often, and they don't last. So we have to catch God's heart, first of all, and that's, again, the work of the Holy Spirit in us, that we generally care about people. We generally care uh, about their pain and where they're going through. We, we really do care about what's, where they're going to go for eternity. Mm-hmm. And the second part of the book is, is, how, what is when Jesus said, I'll make you fish the men, what does that look like? How, how do you how do you go about making friends? How do you these spiritual conversations we're talking about? I love I love talking about to people who are unsaved. And you know I ask great and you can there's so, so many simple questions you can ask that are not you know they're so easy, so easy. It's just that we we don't get taught very often on how to about, go about it. Mm. So I, I, uh, I want to transition a bit into uh, obviously you mentioned leading up to there is uh, something you know quite tragic and. Uh, definitely life altering and life transforming at the same time um in you know in your life uh you mentioned that there was a there was a challenge a a challenge uh with the really the loss of your son um you know back in was that in 2004 um 2005 2005 uh so i just want to hear a bit more about about that experience and uh obviously a lot of people were in a broken world and a lot of people uh, sorry a lot of people experience brokenness um, so I want to kind of know a bit more of how that, how that kind of went down for you and kind of what were some of the, the, how were you able to kind of progress in this process to, to really where you are today and to where you are today now and with Awakening to God Ministries, essentially, how were you able to continue to have hope? Yeah, sure. Well, as I mentioned, 2004, I'd, I'd been saying, does it get any better than this? And then it was in the next, literally, it was that shortly after that, the, the wheels started coming off, if you know that expression. Mm. Things started to fall apart in, in, at the end of 2005 when our, our precious youngest son, Alex, he was 17 years. He knew the Lord, but he, he'd been trying to help a boy at school who was troubled. And uh, the boy took drugs, and Alex made a bad decision. And he took a drug with this boy, and he became delusional. And uh, we thought he'd get over it, you know. Um, but on on the uh, the eighth of November, two thousand and five, that Alex went out of our home, and he went down to the to the beachfront where we lived in Lake Forest, Illinois, and, and mm-hmm. um, he hung himself. And uh, um, so, from being in not long before that, being in a place on the top of the mountain, we're now down in the deepest valley of darkness. And, uh, you know, the, the, our faith grows, really grows, when things like that happen or when things don't go to plan. It doesn't have to be so, so dramatic as that. And so we were thrown into this, in this, into this terrible, terrible time. I mean, terrible is not the right word. Well, there's not words to describe the pain and the suffering that followed from that. Um, it, unbelievable horror. Uh, just awful. My, my precious wife Jeannie, who, who adored all of her children, all of our children, but Alex was her youngest, and she she went from shock to 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 anger. Mm. Um, uh, the the whole again, whenever things don't go right, the big question is why. Of course, 
we've been serving God for 24 years with all of our hearts and seeing God do amazing things and bless us and all of this. And suddenly, suddenly this terrible darkness. Why? What, what's going on? And, and Jeannie, she couldn't reconcile it. And so she lost her faith for, for two years. Mm. And, and uh, the horrible thing with suicide is not just the, the loss of your loved one, loss of our child, my son, but it's it's the uh, it's the blame. Why? Mm. Why didn't you see it? You know, why, why did you bring us to America? Why why did we come to Chicago? Why did we send us to the school? It was like Jeannie was like in a in a nightmare, and she couldn't get out of it. In fact, at night she used to cry out in her sleep, um, scream out in her sleep. She she used to run out of the house. She just try to get away from this pain. And uh, you know, I used to be thinking, do I do I wake her from her subconscious? nightmare into her conscious nightmare which is the worst and uh, in the end she nearly died her, her body couldn't cope with the stress and she mm. had a double a double knot in her intestines she had to have emergency surgery mm. we at one stage we 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 took her to psychiatric uh, hospital and she nearly got i mean i'm thankful she didn't get uh, submitted uh, admitted there she hated herself she hated me initially she hated god but then she didn't believe in god so it was it was a it was a it was a darkest of the dark attack, it, and un, un, unequivocally it was like Satan had been released upon us. It was like evil. You can always touch the evil that was around us. So what did I do? How did I get through that time? Yeah. Well, it, I, I used to get up in the in the early morning, and this is this is I guess this is for the for your listeners. This is one of the most important lessons of all, because the thing that kept me in that time was God's love. Was the, was the sure knowledge that God loved me. And although I didn't understand it at the time, I didn't know what quite what was going on, I knew that he loved me. You know, in Ephesians 3, it talks about the, the width and, the, and the, the length and the height and the depth of his love, the love that surpasses knowledge. And so I would go to, to my friend in the middle of the night. I'd go and sit with Jesus, and, uh, and I would cry until I had no more tears left to cry. I would, I would weep. If you know, if you've ever seen someone in, in real trauma, that was me, weeping, um, shaking with the weeping, crying out to God, and and yes, asking Lord, what, what what's going on here? What what's happening? I was trying to cope with Jeannie because she was it was just horribleness coming out of me. She was like it was like a, a mental abuse torture, you know, blaming me all the time. I come back from work, she'd go on again, blaming, blaming, and I I knew God wanted me to love her, but I just didn't have it in myself. I couldn't I couldn't do it in my in my strength. And so I used to say, God, if you, I know you want me to love her, but I, I need you. I need you to put more of your love in me to do it. And He did. In those times, Tyler, I can say I, the presence of God was unbelievable. It was an intimacy with God that that was re- remarkable. It's almost like He was there in that room. I remember one time, I felt like an arm around me as I was sobbing, and I looked up to see who was there. And I actually thought there was someone there, and, and I looked at him, and he, well, there wasn't anyone there physically, but there was spiritually, and it was like Jesus was there. And the interesting thing was that he had his arm around me, but he was sobbing with me. And in that time, I, I, I entered into God's suffering. In that time, I came to understand the pain that God feels for all of the brokenness in our world. We think, you know, he's a part. No, he feels every bit of brokenness, every bit of weeping. He sees it all. That's when you realize his mercy that he gives us another day because he, he feels the pain that's going on. And so I, what he did to me in that time was 
he gave me deep revelation. That, you know, the, the psalm, all, I haven't got all of these things I'm telling you I can back out with lots of scripture. The psalmist says, it was good that I was afflicted that I might learn your decrees. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now I know your words. Um, and it goes on and on and on about, about suffering um, in the Old Testament, probably, uh, and Job, of course, as well. But, you know, with Joseph, he, he, um, he didn't, I know he was a bit of a big mouth and everything else, but he didn't deserve what he got, you know, mm. that he had 13 years of, of terror, really. Um, but God was preparing him for something. And so I, I started to, under, God started to open up my, my heart to eternity. Um, it, it talks in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that eternity is hidden in the heart of a man. And I think my heart was so broken that eternity was released in a very, very, very real way. And uh, he showed me eternity. And I, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I just, I just knew from the bottom of my being what the Bible says is true, that this life is a breath relative to eternity. It's a vapor. C.S. Lewis says it's a cover page of a never-ending story. This isn't the real life. The real life is, is when we're with, with God in heaven and when, when we're going to spend time with him. This is the preparation. This is the, the first page. Mm -hmm. This is the time of decision when we make decisions for, for Jesus or reject Jesus, which will determine your eternity, and also for your, your eternal rewards. Over a hundred times in the Bible it talks about eternal rewards. And so I started to understand that God's looking for faithfulness. Mother Teresa said, I don't, I don't ask for success. I pray for faithfulness. Because when he comes back, he rewards faithfulness. Doesn't, those things don't get you to heaven. Don't, don't misunderstand me. We get to heaven by, by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But in the preparation, what God's doing here, we're building up for ourselves treasure in heaven, as Jesus said. We'll be with us for eternity. So there was a chap called Jim Elliott who laid his life down. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. When you understand eternity, it completely changes how you view your life here on earth. Completely. So now I'm seeing that, okay, I'm I, I, I desperately missing Alex, my son, and, and my heart is broken for my wife, my bride, who's, who's in utter darkness. But I know it's not the end of the story. I know I'm going to see Alex again. I know he's more alive than we are. And I, and I knew that God was going to give me the strength to love Jeannie. And somehow he would bring her out of her darkness into light. And he did. He did. Mm. After about two years, she came back to faith. And God, she calls them glimmers. She, she started to see God. God came and touched her in so many different ways. She came back to faith. Our marriage was, was restored. Uh, someone said, it's a triumph of marriage. We've just done an e-learning course where we share biblical truths for, for triumph and marriage so i came back to 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 that uh, for genie and and then just short interesting thing because in seeing eternity now i'm even more desperate for souls what can i do to rescue people um and so just literally shortly after that they asked me to lead alpha usa now now i now i can do it full time <laughs> before i was working in banking my tent making was banking <laughs> and i used to do the outreach in, uh, when I was outside of work. Now I can do it. I'm, I'm being paid now to do something that's on my heart. So it was unbelievable how that happened just after that uh, when, I, when I'm desperate for souls. So I served with Alpha for eight years to, and we saw, unbelievable, we were seeing 250 to 300,000 people come to know, come to faith. Some were recommitments, but others were new commitments. Every year, amazing. Souls being saved for eternity. So that brings us up to 
2014 when we had yet another another storm hit us. So uh, you you mentioned in uh, in this time, uh, obviously you know 2005, the complete switch, the complete flip um, of all. You could really see you know the ways that God was blessing you, um, but maybe you didn't see the the way that God was blessing you in this in this this time of suffering in the desert. Um, at least at maybe at in, in you know at first glance, but you mentioned that the intimacy, right? You were able to see a relationship, and uh, what were you able to almost see that relationship maybe more at a at a new level than you than you were previously? You could understand that times weren't great, but that uh, that that was real. And if and if you know that that intimacy is real, then that that speaks a lot about what you're able to communicate and what you're able to to. To trust and, and how and how you're able to trust and how you're able to um, move forward and continue this this walk with Christ. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, it. it um, that's why I said in, the, in Ephesians yeah. three that that everything should come out of this relationship, the deep heart, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. In in Second Corinthians five fourteen and fifteen, it says the love of Christ compels us. We're convinced that one died for all, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. In other words, what is the compulsion? What is the motivation to lay your life down? Why should I keep on loving Ginny when, when it was like a torture? Mm. The, the, the flesh would run. In fact, it can be as high as 19 out of 20 marriages fail after the suicide of a child. Wow. Um, and I understand that because it's painful, it hurts. They say there's two of the, the greatest bits of stress on a human being. One is to be tortured in a concentration camp. The other one is, to, is the suicide of a child. It's painful. It's the cross every day. Well, the only thing that trumps that is love, is love. Is I just love, I just love Jesus with every, every cell of my being, and, mm. and, and I just want to please him. Mm. And so, so, you know, when Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it be possible, take this from it. He was agonizing. The blood came out of sweat. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. Beautiful, beautiful words. That's the ultimate of love, is to lay your life down. And I was, I said, okay, Lord, if this is my cup, it's bitter cup. I don't like it, but I want to be faithful. I want to keep on loving and to, to bring glory to your name. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's not about us. all about his glory. It's all about revealing the beauty of Jesus Christ, the loveliness, the excellence, his excellence, his beauty, his plan. It's all about him. And so so that that was the love. That, that And so the, yeah, the intimacy is, is really what it's all about. And I came, you know, all the time the Holy Spirit, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he will take from what is mine, he will make it known to you. He was revealing more of who God is. That's why our ministry is called Awakening to God Ministries mm -hmm. because at the core of it is an awakening, a bigger understanding of who God is, a bigger understanding of the fact that he holds every atom together by the power of his word, that it's his plan, it's his glory. It's all about what he's doing, his eternal plan and purpose. Mm. And so when you awaken to that, you're left with really two things you can say. Yes, <laughs> you could say no <laughs> to what he's calling you, but really it's, you're probably yeah. missing something up top if you said that, yeah. when, you, when you see it. Yes, and then the other thing is thank you, because you realize it's actually a privilege to lay your life down for him. It's a calling. Yeah. Philippians 1 verse 29, it says, it's, 
you've been given the privilege not only to believe in Christ, but the privilege to suffer for him. Hmm. Amazing. And by his grace, he gets us to go through. You don't look for suffering, don't get me wrong, but if, if that's your calling, and we're talking about calling here, hmm. if that's your calling, and we all face suffering in different forms. I mean, you can define suffering as anything in your life that you don't like, yeah? Or anything you want in your life that you haven't got. That would be a couple who can't have children. There's, that's a form of suffering. The question is, how do you go through that suffering? Do you, yeah. do you take offense at God? you shake your fist at God? Do you, do you start angry? Do you, do you lose your faith? Do you turn away from God? Or do you hold your hands out and say, Lord, this is, this is painful, but I want to be faithful in it? Uh, that's right. That's right. There's, a, there's an opportunity to rejoice in suffering because uh, we're able to see what the uh, really what what the the process of suffering does for our lives again if we if we if we look at it in the, again there's two options if we if we choose the former and 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 choose to, the the benefit of the suffering again clar- clarifying that it's not we don't want to self induce induce suffering you don't want to go back and experience the, these traumatic you know suffering suffering or sufferings um, yeah. but but again it 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 creates good in you and um I think it's important again to see it as an opportunity and to rejoice, um, but uh, but also I, I, and, and this is kind of where I wanted to where uh, you you left us hanging uh, going into 2014. Um, obviously, a uh, lot lot of change going on. Kind of it sounds like you were you're full you know f- full steam forward um, and you know awakening to God Ministries. I, I you know by that time I, it's it sounds like you know things are starting to pick up or you're starting to to get into this calling. Uh, but I want to know a bit more about the timeline of Awakening to God Ministries, um, but but also kind of how the the, the experience in 2014, uh, obviously this really tough uh, experience again, um, ended up, you know, how you decided to, to, to take that choice in the right direction rather than um, looking at you know an alternative that might have that might have led you into a different path. Yeah, sure. So I was still working for Alpha. I was the CEO of Alpha USA at the time, 2014. Our precious daughter, Rebecca, um, she was 32 at the time. But she'd, she'd been in the corporate world, un- unbelievably gifted girl. She was an amazing athlete. She was working towards going to the Olympic trials, uh, another 800, me- 800 meters again. Um, uh, just beautiful, a beautiful woman. And she, after Alex, her heart was absolutely brokenhearted for her youngest brother, what happened. And she could have gone to the corporate world. She got an MBA at, at 25. But mm. she, she said, I, I, my heart just breaks for young people. I can't stand the thought of young people dying without knowing Jesus. And so she came and joined me in Alpha. And she became the national director for Alpha Youth. And she was absolutely amazing. She grew that ministry in a wonderful, wonderful way. And we had, I had the privilege of sharing platforms. We used, to sh- we used to speak together on platforms. And in 2014, we were down in Southern California speaking at a big uh, Latino conference, uh, sharing the same platform. I had to go to London for an, a big Alpha International conference there. She stayed on down there for other speaking engagements. We went back to Chicago where we lived. And she was, she was living when she wasn't traveling. She was living with us, which is a great privilege. Mm. Um, she came, went back uh, on the 13th, um, uh, no, sorry, on, on the 7th, on the 7th of May 2014. And the next day, the 8th of May, she was a very hot day. She went out for a run, went down to Lake Michigan mm. to try and cool off. And we're not quite sure what happened, 
we, we know she should took her shoes and socks off. We think she was trying to cool down, and we think she fainted. And she anyway, she fell into Lake Michigan, and uh, she tried. She couldn't get out where she where she'd fallen in. And she ended up being dragged out of it. And it, it, she she was calling out for help. Four people rang rang nine one one, and uh, the water. She tried to swim round to her boat ramp to get out, and the, the water was thirty seven degrees. It'd been a very brutal mm. winter. And she got hypothermia and she and she drowned. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, once more, once more, we were thrown into this 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 terrible terrible grief. And um, Jeannie, mm -hmm. quite honestly, Jeannie, she'd been had eight years of, of of darkness and grieving. She she had come out of it to a certain extent, but she was still her mother's heart was broken. Now she was just completely shattered. And she, to be honest, she she decided she couldn't go on. She couldn't go on. Her, her her heart wouldn't take it, and she she was going. She went up to to Rebecca's room. She was gonna, she wasn't going to come out. She was basically going to take her life. She went into that room, and and God met her. It was like it was like Saul on the road to Damascus. She didn't see a physical being, but the room filled with light, and she was like thrown to the ground, or she she fell to the ground, and God God met her in that room i mean it, it's like it was like heaven came down and he spoke several things to her but Jeannie was completely utterly uh, uh, transformed in that time she had with god she came downstairs it was like her face was glowing you know moses on the top of the mountain and i said to her, i said gene what's happened to you now the interesting thing was just literally shortly after that one of our dear friends popped in she said exactly the same thing gee what what's happened to you because she was, I mean, imagine a mother, has a second of our two, of our three children, have just gone ahead to heaven before us. Mm. She was just so downcast. It was darkness all over her. She was radiant, unbelievable. And then we went to see friends later that night, and and the, the woman again said exactly the same thing. Gee, what's happened to you? So the three witnesses, interesting. Yeah, you know, it isn't. She know. was, okay. she was completely now. Now, okay, now that now we see what is God doing. One of the things that God said to Jeannie in that room was, Jeannie, your grief is not your own. So now we're saying, we're, again, hands open. Remember, I just had the picture of the hands open. God, we don't like this cup. We're, we're, it's a bitter, bitter cup. But Lord, if this is your calling, what do you want to do with it? And, and it mm -hmm. became clear that he wanted us. Uh, we'd entered into his suffering. wanted us with the comfort that he was comforting us to comfort others as a, a scripture in, in Corinthians mm -hmm. and so that was the birthing of Awakening to God Ministries based on wow. Isaiah 51 wow. 1 to 4 and this was the the first part was what Jesus actually spoke when he first started his ministry remember he went to, and he went into the, into the synagogue and he read from Isaiah 61 the spirit of the Lord is upon me he's anointed me to do what to bring good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring freedom for captives from release from darkness for the prisoners. Captives yeah. are people who, who've, who've had things happen in their life through no fault of their own. So we're just launching uh, later this okay. year a thing, a thing called Restoring Hope to the Captives, which are people in sexual slavery. Five million young girls at the moment in sexual slavery in India. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of girls in this country and boys in sexual slavery now, as we speak in America. And so... And so there's people, every day, God sees the pain and the suffering. Every day, he feels it. 
Now, every day is another day for people to get saved for eternity. So this, we've got this dilemma <laughs> on the one day, because people say, well, why didn't he stop it? Well, he is going to stop it. When he comes back, it'll all stop. But now is a chance. People have free will choice to receive Jesus, to reject Jesus. And so every day people get a chance to be rescued for eternity. But God's heart hurts with all this pain. So we realize that we, he's calling us to be his hands and feet to relieve some of the pain, to relieve some of the, the brokenness that's out there. And so what, that's what Awakening God Ministry is all about. It's all about uh, helping people who are hurting and suffering all around the world. In, in India, where, where we've given out 35,000 mosquito nets, we're now doing a project of bringing clean water to the abject poor. I mean, I'm talking about the seriously poor people. Uh, we do mosquito nets, we do medical aid, we do food. Mm-hmm. We're launching a thing called Prevent Suicide later this year at our conference in, in Ohio. Uh, we're launching this thing for to help girls and boys coming out of sexual slavery. And the whole, the message, the message of the cross, because this is the cross, mm-hmm. is, is redemption. So whatever suffering people have got, whether they're poor, whether they're brokenhearted, whether they're captives or prisoners, at the end of Isaiah 61, verse verse 4, it says, they will restore the ancient cities. They will rebuild the highways. In other words, God wants to turn people around, like he did <laughs> yeah. with Joseph, turn them around to become warriors to help others. Oh, that's that's powerful. That's very yeah. powerful. Um, yeah, and I, and I've, I mean, I've, I'm a witness to that in my life, my own life, a lot of my weaknesses, the areas that I was captive, I used to, when I was younger, used to have a, a speech impediment. I had a, you know, stammer or stutter, um, and has, God has used and moved me to allow me to, to speak and to continue to speak in different, in different platforms through writing, through, you know, podcasting. Um, Amazing. and it's, yeah. it's incredible. It really is a very, it sounds so foreign at first because you're like, mm. how can, how can I, somebody who is facing these, you know, how captive in this, like, how can I then be a voice, uh, to, to, to this, to this, to this cause or to this, uh, to, to free the other captives, right. To, yeah. to carry, to carry others crosses, to lay your life down for others as you know, as, as you have faced that challenge as well, which I, and I think that's so, it's so incredibly powerful. Yeah. And, he, and, and here's a, here's a wonderful thing, Tyler, isn't it? Is that he gets all the glory. Yeah. <laughs> he gets, it's his work. Yeah. Through the cross. It's redemption, restoration, triumph he continually leads us in triumph that's the wonderful genesis 50 20 you intended this for evil he said to his brothers god <laughs> intended it for good for the saving of many lives yeah. that's the wonder of our god he's able to take every bit of evil every bit of darkness every bit of sin and turn it around for good mm. like, amazing and that's the cross yeah. the center of the cross is the worst suffering ever on this planet and yet through it, he rescued the world, <laughs> made a way for the world to be rescued. I mean, it's, it's marvelous, isn't it? And so that's our message to the girls to say, you know what, God, God never didn't ever love you when you were in your, in your terror. But now he wants you to go and help others. Would you, would you do that? People who are poor. We just had a, a group of people who, who said, can we join you um, from Rwanda? They were refugees and they want to go back and they want to help other people who were refugees. And so, so we said, yeah, you can join us. So then we're now doing due diligence to see how we can help the, the suffering in Rwanda yeah. and Uganda. Mm. Uh, on and on and on. It's this wonderful message of the cross to say, do you know what? Uh, through God's grace, through the power of the cross, uh, God wants to equip you 
like my, David's Mighty Men is another great example. They, they were the they were the downcast. They were the untouchables of their day. You know, we 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 minister in India to the untouchables. They've been told all their life. Do you know what? You are nothing, and and you're suffering because you did something wrong in a previous life. And, and we say, no, you're not. You're very very precious to God. And guess what? God wants to do something wonderful with your life. And that's what David's mighty David's mighty men. They started off as the untouchables. What do they do? I mean, I'm sure you as a guy, I know growing up, I, used to, I, I love those stories. You know, the guy who stood in the field and you know, beat, uh, killed 800 of the enemy. Unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. feats that we now yeah. make films about. Yeah. <laughs> those were real people who were nothing. Mm-hmm. And then they became warriors through God's grace. Amazing. God's grace. Amazing. Yep. And God gets all the glory too. Again. He gets all the glory. All yeah. the glory. That's very... Wow, very profound. Um, and, and just to, to close out, uh, I just want to mention this statistic that I was looking up. And through the CDC, it says on average, um, the suicide rate increased by 24% by, from 1999 to 2014, um, which I just think is incredibly fast, incredibly interesting, but also shows the, the importance uh, of the work that you're doing with Awakening to God Ministries through you know, mental health, depression, suicide in, in, in one area, but also tying it back in and seeing how we can relate and understand from a, from a biblical scripture perspective as well. And that's something yeah. after exploring a bit more into your website, I already, you know, found some ways that I, I can better understand myself uh, of how, you know, f- whether it's myself or somebody else might be going through a challenging period, how we can get through, through that yeah. resource. But I wanted to know just... Um, for how listeners uh, can continue to plug into the work that you're doing, ways that they can get involved uh, and be part of and be part of this ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Before I answer, let me just just highlight the what you, you picked up on what you just said. So the, the World Health Organization announced last year that the the, the biggest global illness now is depression, mm. and the biggest cause of death for those under 35 is suicide. Uh, John Aldridge made a, a point that, that you know that both of those are the results of hopelessness, hopelessness, and and what are the great message that we have is awakening hope in suffering, because because there's hope through Jesus for eternity, that yes this life is only only a breath relative to eternity. And, and so to be able to, to know there's better days ahead, to know the end of the story brings hope. Mm-hmm. To know that God can turn around the pain you're suffering now into something beautiful, that brings great hope. Mm-hmm. And so that's the core of the message that we have is a way to awaken hope in suffering mm-hmm. uh, because it's true Jesus did die for us and it's true that he's on the throne. It's true that we're going to be with him. Um, he's coming back as well, surely. So yeah. this is all true, and, and so that brings great hope. So how do people get involved? Well, there's there's lots of different ways that we, they can get involved. We we have a website, awakening awakening to God. Um, dot org. To our website, we've got a conference coming up in the Midwest. It'd be great if they can come to the conference, 20th of October at Grace Church, Middleburg Heights. It's a big mega church there, and we, we'd love. We're always praying. We're always praying for more laborers, as Jesus said. Go to the Father for more laborers. We need people to help us mm-hmm. to volunteer in different work. We're launching these new things. If anyone's got any interest in helping with uh, people coming out of sexual slavery, that would be great. If they've got any interest in preventing suicide, we want to hear from you. 
we want to raise funds to do more for the poor. Um, we, we're unequivocal with that. We don't need it for our operating expenses because we have people who cover that. But it means that we can release funds to help mm. the poor. Yep. And, and But also, <laughs> we're always looking for double whammies. <laughs> we want Christian marriages. Basically, every area that Satan attacked us on, every area, through God's grace now, we're turning around to kick him in the teeth, so to speak. So that, so that we want to see every, every marriage um, go to another level, another several levels. You know, I, we have a view that many Christian marriages are like a crow just flying over the treetops. You know, they're just getting by. Not in the, yeah. not in the first, yeah. Yeah. not in the early years, because there's still all the romance in the air. That's great. And that's good. Yeah. But because they're not based on real solid biblical teaching, and we cover that, the first three essential foundation stones for marriage, because they not, haven't got the biblical teaching, the, 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 the worries and anxieties of life, desires for other things, um, and, and uh, the deceitfulness of wealth, it chokes the life in the marriage. And so they're just getting by. The beauty that God wants in marriage, our Christian marriage should be so amazing that people say, well, I don't read the Bible, but those Christians, boy, do they have great marriages. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we can say it, to be honest, I don't think we can say that just yet. So our vision for triumph of marriage is, is biblically based, all soaked in scripture, soaked in the truth that we discovered through our brokenness. I mean, Jeannie was going to leave me. I mean, she was going to leave me in our darkest years. Um, so we know what it's like. She was depressed for two years, a deep depression. We know what all of that is like. We, we now want to take everything that we learn in that time of darkness, the treasures in the darkness, and we want to pass it on so that every Christian marriage is flying like an eagle, mm. right over the storm, is triumphing, bringing glory to God. Jesus said, by your love one for another, they will know that you are my disciples, you are following me. The greatest way to show that is in our marriages. The greatest way to show that is in our marriages. So so that's the, that's the vision for a triumph. So sign up for that. You can go online, sign up under triumphofmarriage.com, triumphofmarriage.com. Join us on Facebook. We have over 700,000 on Facebook. Um, I do a video live every morning at six, around about 6.45 um, a.m. Pacific time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're getting a good, good following from that. So, so join in for that. And, uh, yeah, and if you want to, you know, if you want to donate, you can donate online as well. However God stirs your heart, you can, you can donate online. And uh, that, would be, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, incredible. There's a, a lot of ways to, for, uh, for, for us all to get involved. Um, and uh, I'm excited and, and optimistic for the, for the future and for where uh, God is going to take this ministry and take um, everyone that's part of this and, and also everyone that is, uh, that is, is in captive, that, is, that are facing these challenges right now, but that they, uh, they may use their, their, their burden to, uh, to be light in someone else's burden as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So thank, thanks again, uh, Gerard, for for sharing your story. Uh, very much appreciate uh, getting into the into the nitty gritty and the weeds of these uh, these tough tough uh, tough topics to, to talk on. Um, but I'm sure uh, has given you a lot of um, uh, a lot of light just in, in the mandate of of speaking out on them as well. Um, mm. So thank you very much, uh, and very much appreciate you being on the show. Sure, my my my. Uh, again, my privilege and blessing, uh, Tyler. Bless you. Thank you for all you're doing as well to share God's love and light um, with folks. Bless you for that.